everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. We're the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers, Seth. Wow. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad you could be here. <laughs> I'm glad I could be here, too. Why is there spread not put out for me? We always put out a spread of nice, delicious appetizers for when we have people on our show. I don't know if the little bag of pepperonis I get from Stop and Shop are considered nice and delicious, but they are nice. And uh, I, we, I like to include a little saltines usually about five because i'll eat the rest of the sleeve and then sometimes i buy the pre-cut cheddar not the cheddar block but the one that's already got slices in it so you know we're classy anyway we've got some stuff that's coming up in the future which will be fun but we're going to be talking about games that happened in the past past. (laughs) oh man just makes me want to do another journeyman episode it's been long enough that we We could do another redux maybe on 150 we'll do a journeyman redux or we can do journeyman 2 yeah yeah we could well anyway Zach. Yes, Seth. I've been playing a game called Far, Lone Sales. Oh, I've heard of that game. It was a byway pass I had for you. You play as this little guy in a red outfit. It's like a little rain jacket. And you have to traverse sideways. You can only go left or right in the game. And the plot of the game takes you right. And you have to walk and eventually you find a machine that kind of looks like... It's hard to describe it, but it's kind of a a large red boat with gigantic wheels. And it has like a, a... tiny wheel in the back and then these two big wheels in the front and eventually you get sails for it so you can open it and sail it only rolls on the ground and a little bit of some water but when you need to cross a lot of water such as like a river or the ocean you have to actually put it on a boat and then you have to navigate the boat Uh, it's a very unique vessel and uh, has a, a number of ways that it gets propulsed forward and you kind of have to maintain the propulsion to be a um, a good level balance uh, if you over propulse the device maybe it breaks down the um, there's like a little button that you have to push to lock in and then you have to release steam as it goes through as the engine works when you release the steam if you release a lot of steam you go really fast or you well you go faster than normal it's a big device it's not going really fast anywhere but if you get too much steam it explodes not the whole device just pieces of it it's a it's a very light type game where you can't die in it you can't really not beat it if you try hard enough it's very forgiving it has really big inside type of vibes and i think limbo also plays similarly where you're going left to right kind of deal so if you like those type of games and you like to have kind of like a puzzle experience 100 i recommend far loan sales it was developed by a developer called okimotive and was published by mixed vision okay and it was released back in in May of 2018. Oki Motion has also developed a game called Far Changing Tides, which was the byway pass that I gave Zach, which was released of March of this year. Sorry, March 1st of 2022. And that game involves a ship. But I won't talk more about that game because I've also been playing that game. So maybe you'll hear about it in the next episode. But uh, it is one of the things that I like about both of them is the visuals and the soundtrack. It is a game that I honestly was like, wow, this is a really good soundtrack and i actually may consider purchasing it which is weird because i never buy video game music and it has a really really cool visual style 
where I had a couple of moments where I was like, oh, wow, this is a really pretty game, which I don't do often. I'm, I'm a hard person to impress, as Zach is aware. So, Zach. Yes. What have you been playing? Well, Seth, I want you to stay a while. Listen. Because Ooh. I've been playing Diablo, the first Diablo, developed in 1997 by Blizzard North, published by Blizzard Entertainment. It's a great game. Yeah, it's, I've, I've been enjoying it. Classic hack and slash adventure game. I think the game that defined the genre, really. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are other hack and slashes, but I think Diablo really is the game that set the precedent for future games that followed in Diablo's wake. Especially games like uh, Hades, which I know takes a lot of inspiration from Diablo. Um, not just the fact that they're both named after people who are gods of their respective underworlds. What it class are you playing as? I'm playing as a warrior. Uh, I tend Good. to usually play as warriors in most games that I play, um, like this because i am bad at doing anything that rogues do and i forget to use magic when i play as a sorcerer so pretty much every role-playing game adventure game any option where i have the choice to play a warrior i'll pick the warrior and uh how have you fought the butcher yet no i have not i am pretty early in the game but i am getting myself prepared to face the butcher and be frightened by him when he says ah fresh meat (laughs) (laughs) then he kills you and then you're done no uh, it's a good game. I like it. It's fun. It's definitely got that like 90s creepy factor to it. Oh, yeah. And the music is like total 90s. Yeah. Like rock <laughs> music. Just Yeah. You just know you're in for some trouble. I wouldn't say I'm scared playing it as much as I was scared when I was playing it when I was a child. But I still feel like it's still a bit of an intimidating game. I will say there's one thing that I wasn't quite used to, which is the fact that in Diablo, you have to use the mouse to attack. And I'm so so used to games that have come in Diablo's wake that have assigned the attack to a specific button. So I was very confused for a moment. And then when I figured it out, I was like, oh, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. And I actually learned that, and we'll talk about this probably when we do the Diablo episode. Spoiler alert. There was a PlayStation port of Diablo, the first game, that assigned attack to a button. And I was like, that sounds, that sounds like the better version of the game. <laughs> could you play it? I mean, I could. I, I don't have a copy. It's a kind of an uh, expensive game, but I could, I guess, emulate it if i wanted to but yeah i guess that's an option i'm sure there's also ways that you could probably modify current diablo to i mean it's a pc game you can pretty much make it do whatever you want it to do yeah exactly i'm sure someone's made like a controller mod for diablo that works fine i just it's one of those things that i'm like oh that's like a quality of life thing that i feel most games that were inspired by diablo have that diablo does not have but yeah that is diablo uh that's what i've been playing and i I don't want to go too much more into it because i know that we are planning to talk about diablo in its own dedicated episode which we have talked about diablo before we talked about it i think when we did the top 10 games way back when and january yeah whenever i don't remember when we did that when we did the top 10 games uh i think we mentioned diablo and we went a bit more into detail on it but uh yeah we'll do like an actual diablo episode then i think the trinity of blizzards would have been done we have done a starcraft episode we have done a warcraft episode we will do a diablo episode and that is the blizzard trinity yeah then we're gonna have people asking us to do lost vikings lost vikings yeah it was one of the early blizzard games it was on the sega genesis oh we should anyway today we're not doing lost vikings today we're going to talk about though an older game as we often do a game from the 90s <laughs> yes it is a game uh, called uh, monkey island specifically the secret of monkey
Monkey Island. Now, we begin with discussing our memories of the games. Because yes. sometimes that, you know, taps into that nostalgia factor as you as you recollect with us your memories of the game. Zach, do you have any memories of Secret of Monkey Island? I don't. Our family primarily played microprose games. Monkey Island was a Lucasfilms games game. So we did not have many Lucasfilms, later LucasArts games that were adventure games. We had like we had like shooters and stuff. We had like Jedi Outcast and uh and the Phantom Menace and stuff. But we didn't have like any, I don't think, of the adventure games. I would be interested if we lived in a world where instead of playing Micropost games, we played Lucasfilms games. Like Loom and the Adventure of Indiana Jones. I, I have since played LucasArts games, adventure games. Like I've I've played the Indiana Jones games, but I haven't really had a chance to play Monkey Island. I own Monkey Island. I have a copy. I have the special edition. I just haven't played it. I have both Monkey Island and Monkey Island 2. And you would say I am a very passionate adventure gamer. I actually deviate a little bit from the Monkey Island style of games. I tend to end up playing more serious adventure games, meaning the tone of the games are serious. Gabriel Knight series can have humorous moments. That's like the thing for me. I like games that have a serious tone and have funny moments. Gabriel Knight is a pretty serious series of games, but there are funny moments up to and including the puzzle that has its own Wikipedia page about getting cat fur on your face using maple syrup. Like that's just humorous, but it comes up in a serious context. Yeah. I don't particularly enjoy games that are just like trying to get me to laugh. Yeah. That are like silly for silly sake. Yeah. Intentionally comedic and stuff like that. Yeah. Like games that are like, this is a funny game and we designed it to be funny. So like everyone's name is like Biff the Fartster. And like, I'm sure these games have really good stories. I sometimes just can't Mm -hmm. get myself past the slapstick nature of the game. Yeah. And I think it's also the way we are brought up Seth and I were kind of exposed to more British humor versus like more slapstick and stuff like that. Like we watched stuff with slapstick in it uh, and some British humor does have slapstick in it. But like I'm thinking of like games like Starship Titanic. I tend to enjoy a bit more than games that are more intentionally funny where Starship Titanic is a comedic game. It's a game that is written by a comedian, uh, Douglas Adams. But I feel like the humor in it is a bit more dry. It's more uh, satirical in in that kind of dry sense that's it's not so much in your face all the time humor you know there's something different about humor of wit versus humor of just kind of you know fart jokes and stuff like that not saying that monkey island has a ton of fart jokes but it's it's it is a different style of humor than um what you might get from like hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy i agree agree anyway to talk about monkey island and to talk about the history of monkey island we'll have to talk about lucasarts so uh, monkey island was developed by lucasarts um though at the time they were known as lucasfilm games and we'll get into a bit of that um lucas arts themselves have quite the history the company's earliest days were back in 1979 when george lucas created the lucas films computer division now george lucas for those of you who don't know is the man who made star wars so he's was a very famous man at the time because star wars was a very successful film and also rich 
He was also, yes, exorbitantly wealthy (laughs) and still is. Now, Lucasfilm Computer Division was a department of Lucasfilm that would look into computer graphics for movies and also the development of games. The department was actually split in 1982. The graphics company left. Uh, They ended up forming a little company called Pixar and the games department stuck around. The games department was renamed the Lucasfilm Games Group. Lucasfilm Games originally had to work within the confines of the industry, largely due to the fact that at the time, Atari Inc. held the license for Star Wars. Due to this, they opted to develop titles that were original, things that weren't necessarily based on Star Wars. Some of these earliest titles were games like Ball Blazer and Rescue on Fractalus for the Atari 5200 and the Atari 8-bit line of computers. Another early venture of theirs was the exploration of experimental technology, such as network connectivity. A game they developed was called Habitat was actually one of the earliest attempts to create a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. The beta for Habitat actually launched in 1986, five years before Neverwinter Nights, which is regarded as usually the first MMO, but Habitat actually came out five years beforehand. It's just not a fantasy MMO, so I think that's why people... Is it graphical, though? It is, yeah. Uh, yeah habitat is fully graphical mmo it's just more based in reality it's not really like a fantasy setting it's not really like an rpg you right develop a character and you communicate with other people it was kind of more like a graphical like forum chat room sort of yeah. thing so neverwinter nights is still like the first mmorpg yeah that's yeah now in 1986 they also began exploring developing games in the adventure game genre their first uh, adventure game was labyrinth in 1986 which was actually just an adaptation of the film of the same name because lucas arts was not able to do star wars games that didn't mean that they couldn't do other movies that they had the rights to <laughs> yeah following this in 1987 was Maniac Mansion. Maniac Mansion was an incredibly influential game to the adventure games in in whole, largely due to the fact that it introduced the Scum Engine. The Scum Engine, or also known as the Script Creation Utility for Maniac Mansion, S-C-U-M-M, we actually talked about way back when, when we had Damien on, back in our Sierra episode, we talked about the Scum Engine. Scum is a very versatile engine and the success of Maniac Mansion prompted them to use this engine to begin more developments of more adventure games. Scum made making adventure games easier yeah. than it would be creating an, an additional game engine. You would just be like, okay, we need to get art assets loaded into the Scum engine and we can output an adventure game. Yeah, and you might need to do minor tweaks to the engine to get certain things to work, but in reality, most of what the Scum engine had to offer was uh, what you needed. Right. And it wasn't like they were short of creative people, so they could spin up stories pretty easily uh, since they were Lucasfilm. (laughs) One of these games that came out with the Scum Engine was The Secret of Monkey Island. The game was conceived by Ron Gilbert, who previously worked on the game Zack McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders. Gilbert wanted to do a story about pirates and wrote the initial story while hanging out at his friend's house for the weekend. 
He pitched the idea to Lucasfilm Games and they liked the concept, but they actually initially delayed the game as they needed designers, such as Gilbert, to work on Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the graphic adventure. After Crusade wrapped in 1989, Gilbert was given the green light to work on his project, which at the time was called Mutiny on Monkey Island. Gilbert, however, realized that the project wouldn't work with just him developing it. So he recruited two individuals that he had actually brought to work for Lucasfilm Games. He was the one that kind of recruited them. This was Tim Schafer and Dave Grossman. One element of the game that they wanted to incorporate was insult sword fighting. So instead of fighting with combat, you fight with your words in Monkey Island. That's the mechanic. And they got this idea by watching old pirate films, especially those starring Errol Flynn, um, who Gilbert had actually noticed and had commented to the other guys that Flynn would often use his words to taunt his opponents while he was fighting them. So they thought it would be fun to have that be kind of the central game mechanic. Now, uh, Schaefer, Grossman, and Gilbert wanted to simplify a lot of the gameplay that had been previously used in prior Lucasfilm games. One of the ways to do this was developing the puzzles before the game entered production. Gilbert in particular was frustrated with Sierra Online adventure games where death was the result of failing the puzzle. Humorously enough, I think I talked about this in the past. Yeah, I don't I know if did. it was a Sierra Online game. They were present in other adventure games as well where death was resulting of failing a puzzle. In fact, um, in Broken Sword, a game developed by uh, Revolution Software, which is uh, Charles uh, Cecil's company, who which does the Broken Sword series, had a mechanic where if you didn't do a puzzle right or took too long to do something, you died. And even uh, Microprose had it where if you didn't, if you took too long to do something, you die. Dragon Sphere or Fan of the Opera had moments um, in both of the games where uh, if you, you jumped down a well or did something of that nature, uh, your character died. Microprose was pretty lenient where you just kind of reset to the beginning, but other games weren't lenient. You had to load a save game. So Gilbert being frustrated with this, uh, he wanted to make it so you couldn't die as easily as in other adventure titles. They in fact included a satirical jab at Sierra's frequent deaths by having a moment in the game where the hero would bounce back from falling off of a cliff. In terms of development, the game was built on the Scum engine, which had undergone some modifications since it was first implemented for Maniac Mansion. The visuals for the game were done by Steve Purcell, who had initially designed the graphics for an EGA graphics card which could only render 16 colors. The lack of color support meant that Purcell had to make certain characters like the hero, wear black and white. The games would also eventually have the graphics updated for a VGA version of the game, and that would have 256 color support. Actually, as a fun fact, there's a joke that's only available in the EGA version of the game, where if a character examines a tree stump, the hero would state that there is a secret opening, and it would prompt you to insert disc 22, then 36, then 114, in order to continue. Lucasfilm decided to remove this joke because they were receiving too many phone calls inquiring about where all the missing discs were. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So in the VGA version, it's not there because they got too many complaints. Uh, they actually, they had a help hotline that you could call, which a lot of game companies did at the time. Yeah, the 1-800 number. Yeah, they just had way too many people calling. The music in the game was composed by Michael Land in MIDI format. Higher quality music was included on the CD-ROM version of the game, but the original title only had MIDI music to fit on the floppy disk. Total development costs were estimated 
estimated to be about $200,000 in 1990, or about $439,000 in 2022. So now Secret of Monkey Island takes place from a third-person perspective, where the player plays as Guybrush Threepwood, and you have 12 commands, which actually in updated versions of the game become nine, in order to interact with the game world. Uh, these are your com- commands are standard, talk to, pick up, push, pull, use, look, etc. So this is the evolution of the text interpreter. So and in the beginning, you know, before like Scum Engine and before kind of overhauling the adventure genre, you actually had to type talk to person. Yeah, yeah. In, in Scum, you just select the talk to button and click. That was one of the joys of working with Scum was the ability to have this menu built in, this contextual menu built in. The game would uh, present puzzles that you would need to solve using either inventory collected or dialogue to solve. In fact, this game has dialogue trees and is one of the first games to actually incorporate a dialogue tree where you the player actually has the agency to select what the next questions are going to be with the person you're talking to which i think is pretty cool it's games like this that get set down in stone that other people play and see the branching dialogues that go hey we should do something with branching dialogues and it kind of compounds and becomes what it is today there are also many cutscenes throughout the game that are used to tell the story outside the limitations of the gameplay itself. And as we mentioned earlier, Gilbert was anti-dying or having it be easy to die in the game, unlike other adventure games that are out there. And the one that actually comes to mind is Journeyman. However, if you do keep Guybrush underwater for more than 10 minutes, which is something that I think you have to do deliberate or forget that the game is running, he will drown if you keep him under for 10 minutes. Then again, I think most of us would. (laughs) Yeah. I think I was actually reading that that was kept in as an Easter egg. It like serves no other function. Now, as we mentioned earlier, The Secret of Monkey Island and the Monkey Island franchise on a whole are a subgenre of choose-your-own-adventure games that are funny. And I'm saying that with air quotes. They're meant to be played to have a laugh as well as telling the story. And because of their overly funny slapstick nature, it tends to skew the audience towards kids, in my humble opinion. Which is why we have memories of playing these games while we are kids. Yes, yeah. Uh, There are, I think, some jokes, though, that might have definitely going over kids heads yeah but there's jokes like that in rugrats oh yeah there is but one joke in particular that i'm thinking of is probably didn't necessarily go over kids heads but it's like it's not like an inappropriate joke there's a character you can encounter in secret of monkey island who is literally just a character from loom dressed like a pirate and if you try to talk to him it says insert advertisement here which oh that's funny (laughs) i do think that is hilarious because they were working on loom at the same time so you know they were like i've gotta gotta put loom in here somewhere now in the game you play as we mentioned as guybrush threepwood and you take part in his quest to become a pirate Uh, he heads off to an island that has a number of pirates on it called mille island trademark guybrush then goes and petitions the pirate leaders who task him with a number 
of grueling trials to become a pirate, uh, such as winning a sword duel against the swordmaster of the island, finding some buried treasure, and stealing an idol from the island's governor. Throughout these quests, Guybrush learns about a mysterious island called Monkey Island, who took the life of the ghost pirate Lechuk. Uh, the story goes on from there, and we're not going to spoil it, because the secret of Monkey Island was actually remastered in the past uh, like 10 or so years, and is currently available on Steam, and is highly worth the grab if you are interested and honestly because the game was so recently remastered uh we are going to avoid spoilers and just say play the game yeah, it was remastered in uh, 2009. Should we talk about those monkey numbers? <laughs> <laughs> the monkey numbers. The first game, The Secret of Monkey Island, was a relatively minor hit in the U.S. market. Uh, once it hit Europe, it did go crazy on the PC and Amiga. The game would go on to sell a few hundred thousand games, which for 1990 is a success. It's even even selling 100,000 games globally in 1990, it is a gold standard, right? It's yeah. like, that's a lot of units being shipped this industry is small in in the 1990s and has only recently really become the billion dollar industry multi-billion dollar industry that it is today well if you think about it computers at the time were sometimes not able to do what a video game console could do i mean for example it wasn't until john romero and john carmack put the work in to figure out how to do smooth scrolling were you able to scroll smoothly on a computer game the same way you could on say an nes game Uh, before that games had to do this thing where when you reach the end of the screen everything would just kind of like shift over (laughs) and it was this kind of like you know this this kind of awkward disjointed way of playing a game Uh, this was in like the the 90s they were figuring out how to do proper scrolling so computer games um always i think had a limited market compared to home console games nes games and stuff like that which is why these smaller numbers might not sound as powerful as what we talk about when we do talk about like nes game selling but you have to think about it this was a smaller market so it it is kind of amazing that it did sell as much as it did right especially in the 90s and even today you can buy a computer and not buy any games on it like a computer is far more of its parts than it is just a game machine unlike the consoles of the time i know the consoles of today are really just computers but if you think about the nes the snes it did one function it played games and so if you were an snes household you had to buy games if you were a computer household you did not have to buy games you were probably a boring person but you didn't have to buy them now let's talk about that monkey legacy uh the game was ported to a variety of systems on release the amiga atari st the fm towns which is a japanese computer classic mac os sega cd and then later it was ported to ios windows os 10 ps3 and xbox 360 sequels also soon followed the first being monkey island 2 the chuck's revenge releasing in 1991 there was also a third game the curse of monkey island which would release in 1997 a fourth game escape from monkey island came out in 2000 and would actually be in 3d and it utilized the same engine as grim fandango a great game it is a great game uh grim fandango i haven't played i haven't haven't played escape from monkey island that might be a great game i don't know there was also the tales of monkey island released in 2009 now tales of monkey island which is the i think most recent game in the monkey island chronology uh beyond the the 
um, special editions, but um, was actually not created by LucasArts. Um, it was actually created by Telltale, which uh, had their kind of peak with games of this style, which were these episodic adventure games. And uh, Monkey Island was one of the ones that they got under their belt. They also did Sam and Max, which was also a LucasArts game. Right. Telltale's a, a license house. Well, was a license house. I know they're back, but I don't know if they're going to have the same operating model that they had before they went under. They, what they would do is they would solicit licensing from either movies or television shows, such as The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, graphic novels like Fables, or other video game companies such as Minecraft or LucasArts who would give them the license to make a Telltale game, such for Tales of Monkey Island or uh, the uh, Sam and Max Telltale game. Now, special edition versions of The Secret of Monkey Island and Monkey Island 2 were re-released or remastered in the 2009-2010s, respectively. They were uh, revamped the graphics entirely, uh, used hand-drawn visuals instead of the pixel art that's featured in the original release. There is a new installment for Monkey Island, Return to Monkey Island, that is scheduled to be released later in 2022. Now, beyond the Monkey Island games, Guybrush 3RIP has appeared in other games, such as the game Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine as an unlockable playable character via a cheat code. He is also a character skin for Starkiller in The Force Unleashed 2, because why not? Anyway, Seth, I think that's uh, I think that's Monkey Island. Uh, yeah. So let's move on to the the good old Byway Pass. I'll go first. So, Seth, your game. Uh, this is a puzzle game. That's uh, it's also exploration. Um, and it has online co-op. In this game, you will awaken inside the sinister Castle Rock, where you were betrayed, or maybe you just simply weren't that clever. In this game, you and your partner have to find what it takes to face the dark forces of this realm, or you will be trapped forever. It's We Were Here Forever, being developed by Total Mayhem Games, due out May 10th, 2022. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's take a short break and we'll uh, research this. And we're back. I really like the We Were Here games. There's a number of them. We were here forever. We were here too. We were here. Uh, you should only play the games. I think you could only play the games co-op. It is a great experience co-op. I played them with my friend of the show, Ryan, and we will play this game when it comes out together. Essentially, you get on voice talk with somebody and you describe the room that you are in poorly and they describe the room they are in poorly and you have to use the things in your corresponding rooms to solve the puzzle. Oh, that does sound very fun. And it is very fun. I really enjoy them. They're they're just a fun experience. Yeah, they're like they're like like video game version of escape rooms, aren't they? Yes. The difference though between because there are video game versions of escape rooms. The difference though is your partner to escape from the room was in a different room. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like communicating with you verbally of what they're seeing and the way that Ryan and I described the rooms, it was just uh, hilarious. Like we were just like, they were like, Oh, there's, there's these weird diamond things and 
they're moving around real fast. And I'll be like, oh, you have to, I think you have to stop them because there might be instructions for the other person in your room. And you have to be like, go find the stegosauruses and turn them on fire. And he's like, what? So yeah, so it's great. We were here forever. Definitely a buy. It's a hundred percent a buy. Nice. It was at PAX last weekend, by the way. Oh, well, then maybe we've already played it. Yeah, maybe we together. Have. Yeah, Zach. Yes, Seth. Are you ready? Mm, yeah, I am. So this is a um a reimagination of a game that you may have already played, where you play as the main character, or you might not play as the main character. You will have choices, and you will not have choices. It's not a game that you can actually win. Oh. Sounds sad. It's a game that plays you. All right. What game is this? It is Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Ooh. Uh, We'll be right back as I take a look at this game. back so stanley parable ultra deluxe is a game being developed and published by crows 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 and it's due out april 27th 2022 i'm actually a huge fan of the original stanley parable uh well rather the original commercial release of stanley parable i don't think i've played the original original mod because it started out as a half-life source mod but um it was eventually released as a standalone game and now it looks like there's a deluxe version coming out which looks to be beyond just like a deluxe version it actually actually is uh, poised to be a, an entire reimagining of the game and it looks really fun i mean i loved stanley parable i thought it was a great experience i thought it was a game that was very capable of doing the type of humor that i like which is meta humor i think meta humor is something that has to be done right and stanley parable does it pretty much just where i want it done um which is just right uh, for those of you who've never played stanley parable just to give a brief overview it's a very like hard to describe game you you play as a character in a game who realizes they're in a game and like you can essentially escape the game um and uh, you are followed by a narrator who grows increasingly frustrated with you as you escape the game <laughs> it's a it's a great game and i highly recommend playing it it has a bunch of endings but this looks interesting i like the idea that they're revamping the game they're redesigning it and i'm, I'm probably gonna buy it i'm a little concerned so S- stanley parable does have multiple endings once you've gone through those endings though there's really not much else to do with the game in terms of replayability at least in my opinion so i'm kind of curious how they're going to revive that replayability for old players i'm definitely gonna buy it because i just loved stanley parable but that being said uh, there's some cautiousness i think in in my mind just in case of uh i I don't want to essentially buy the same game twice as it were but as long as they're able to really build a whole new game for 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 new players uh and for old players uh, i i'm up for it i'll give it a shot um i i would say oh i'll you know check out reviews or stuff but i don't want to because part of the fun of stanley parable is like experiencing it when you watch a like a let's play of it it kind of takes away from a lot of what the game has to offer which is you being the player i'm gonna try to go into the game i think mostly blind apart from just reading maybe some slight changes like a change log if i can find one that's non-spoilery 
of of just some of the main differences just so i know i'm buying a game that's not just just like a better looking version of the first game because i actually think the first game still holds up but uh yeah i'll put it down as a buy as long as uh as long as i can kind of verify those things all right well thank you for um joining us for another episode of classic gaming brothers yeah thank you you can always listen to us wherever podcast apps are available and we always ask if you could give us a rating uh review on it to help with the algorithm and more people finding us. You can also find us on social media websites such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, and Twitter. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch are Classic Gaming Brothers. Our Twitter is CG Brothers Pod. Uh, follow those social medias to learn about when we drop new episodes. Spoiler alert, it's Sunday. And you can also send us an email if you have any comments or criticism about the episode. You could send that to Classic gaming brothers at gmail.com is there anything else that i forgot about you forgot one important thing seth don't play games like my brother and don't play games like my brother i've been zach i've been seth we've been the classic gaming brothers that's That's right. right